this semester, uh, we've been doing, um, uh, all semester long, this series called Love is the Doctrine. And uh, doctrine's a really heavy word. It even feels like a heavy word, right? We talk about doctrine, uh, and uh, we, we, I think that means different things uh, to different people. Uh, doctrine's kind of a, a scary word uh, in some contexts, and so we steer clear of that uh, sometimes for very natural uh, and understandable reasons. Um, but doctrine is this notion simply of, what do you believe? Uh, who are you? Like, how do you, um, if I just asked you, what are the things that you believe, you would essentially be describing your doctrine uh, to me. Uh, and that's a good thing. And I think it's, uh, it's very important uh, that we be aware of what our doctrine is. We be aware of what are the things I believe and why do I believe them? Uh, why are these things important to me? Um, and, and to go through a process like that. Um, but I think what, what uh, has happened throughout Christian history is we get really, really wrapped into these things. And we get wrapped into so many nuances of the, the world of doctrine uh, that we get really confused by that or we get really conflicted uh, by that um, as a people. But what we see um, in, in Matthew uh, when Jesus is telling us uh, these things, when the, when, uh, uh, the Pharisee comes to Jesus, essentially to kind of put him on the spot, but he says, what is the most important commandment? Uh, he says, essentially, love. Love. Everything comes down to love. And it's these two layers of love that I want to tell you about. Loving God and loving others. And you can put everything else into those categories, right? And so essentially what Jesus is telling us is that at the very core and above, if you pull back to the big picture of everything, what you believe and what we believe and who we are is everything having to do with love. So love is our doctrine. And so, I mean, it's easy to say that, and so this whole semester we're going into, well, what does that actually mean? How do we, how do we understand the, the depth of that? Well, how do we understand all of the layers uh, that are there when it comes to loving God? How do we love God? Why do we love God? Uh, how do we love others? Why do we love others? Uh, we're going to, starting next week through the end of uh, the semester, we're going we're gonna to dive into that other pool. Uh, of loving others. Um, and so in the midst of this, we've talked about our experiences of love, right, and what we find ourselves doing when we find ourselves kind of in that place with others, because there's a lot of comparisons, right, between how we love, and I think that's why Jesus puts them together so closely, because there's a lot of comparisons in our experiences of loving others and our experiences of loving God, right? Big, big overlap. And so, you know, we've talked about, well, why do we love God? How do we love God? Um, and we compare that to, well, what do you do when you find yourself in love with somebody else? And we've had a few of those discussions back and forth. Um, you know, we, we like what they like, right? Uh, you read what they read, or you read, you read what they read, or you read what they 
right, right? Uh, we hit on that a little bit uh, last week. So a little epilogue uh, to last week's adventure uh, in the world of Zanga, uh, if you were here. I've so, so I found out, <laughs> uh, Jenny texted me, and she's like, do you know how much I love you? Uh, well, <laughs> is this a trick question? Uh, well, it turns out that she had been on the phone with like Zanga support, trying to get that account reactivated, so that all of that stuff would have reappeared. Uh, it's it's long gone into the the uh, the the black hole of the internet, right? Um, but um, this is uh, th this is how much I love my wife uh, for how much she's willing to do for me. Uh, she will go to great lengths to even reactivate her Zanga account so that I can finish reading that from years and years ago. Um, <coughs> uh, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of these cute things uh, like that that we experience when it comes to our love and our attraction and what we're willing to do and our experience of that. Um, but what happens? What happens in in your uh, in your, in a relationship with somebody else? when you find that you simply cannot live life without this person? What does that take us to normally? What path does that put us on when we reach that point of, I'm just sure that I cannot live life without this person anymore? What? What? <laughs> Mowage, <laughs> the technical term, right? Mowage, right? right. I mean, but why do we do that? Why do we get married? Why do we have weddings? Okay. It's a proclamation of your love to everyone you know, right? Okay? Why don't you just proclaim that love to everyone you know, right? <laughs> I declare my love, right? <laughs> right? We love our pop culture references. Uh, why don't we just do that? Why don't we just live in love? Covenant. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard this twice now. This word, covenant. What, is, uh, Travis? It's a celebration. Okay. Okay. Uh, let Let's camp on this word, covenant. I've heard from Corbin and, and Genevieve now. What is a covenant? Tell me. Tell me about a covenant. A promise. Okay. A what? It's like a seal. Okay. A promise. A seal. Binding, <laughs> binding forever. <laughs> All right. Why do we do that? That sounds scary. Right. A covenant. A covenant is our is our operative word here tonight. Uh, and I think it's I think it's um, it's incredible 
that we're willing to make covenant, right? If you find yourself so much in love with somebody, you find yourself in a place of life where you have decided that I do not want to live any more of my life so far as I can control that without this other person in my life and exclusively this other person. And so I'm going to do this thing where I make a promise and I make a promise uh, before other people, before this person and before other people that I am going to bind myself exclusively to you from here and forever. Right? It's extraordinary that we do that. Right? And that covenant, that covenant is, a, there's a difference between just a relationship and a covenant relationship. Right? There's a, there's a difference between just, just living with somebody or being or dating somebody or being with somebody or being friends with somebody and being in a covenant relationship with that person. There's a, there's a sacredness uh, to that. Now, what's interesting is that this kind of language is used in our relationship with God. Right? We are called on multiple occasions uh, through the scriptures the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Uh, and Christ refers to himself and multiple times, uh, and if you need citations, come to me afterwards. I'll give them all to you. As the bridegroom. He says, I'm the bridegroom. <clears throat> and what is happening is God is asking for a covenant, for covenant relationship with him. Not just relationship. He's asking for covenant relationship. One that is built on a vow. And this vow is something that we call baptism. Now, I want to take a look at this idea of baptism. Because baptism is kind of a big, kind of crazy, uh, there's, there's all kinds of, of angles that, that people take on the idea of baptism. And so we want to we pull back and get uh, just a bit of a big picture view of this covenant relationship with God that we call baptism. Um, and where do we see it? Uh, well, we see it in things like when Jesus, towards right at the end of his ministry, he's with his followers, uh, right at the end of the book of Matthew, and he says this to them. He came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, he's talking to his followers here, Go and make disciples. And what, what's a disciple? A follower, right? A disciple, a disciple is a follower. Go make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And essentially, what is everything he's commanded them? 
Love God, love right. Um, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so one of his, his in his, basically his last words almost uh, to his followers is this call for them to go and, and bring people, bring the people of the world into covenant relationship with him through baptism. Now, we move forward a little bit. Uh, after the ascension of Jesus, um, we've talked in here uh, in the past about what happens at the beginning uh, of the book of Acts, which is the book of history uh, of the early uh, Christians, the early believers. Uh, uh, the, the, that story essentially begins with Jesus telling uh, the, the apostles to wait uh, to wait, and you'll see what happens, and they're not sure what that means. They're in the upper room on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, uh, and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes, and it lands on them like tongues of fire, it says, and they begin speaking to these crowds of people who are gathered uh, in, uh, in Jerusalem, and then that ends up with, with Peter giving this, uh, this very, this extended, uh, powerful uh, moving sermon about what happened to Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus Christ at the hands of these people. And it says they're, they're convicted, they're cut to the heart. And they, and they ask, they just, uh, they just straight out ask Peter, what do we do? And this is his answer. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter gave them this advice. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, I want you, if you have not read this chapter, I want you to read it. I want to give you some extra homework in this week of midterm exams. Uh, but you can do it in a minute, I swear. Just read that chapter. And what, G what Peter is doing is he's convicting them of what has, of this atrocity that has taken place. And they're, they're convicted, and they're like, what do we do? But Peter gives them this answer of hope. Just says repent, and what does repentant? What does repent mean? Turn, turn, change, right? Turn around and come to God in baptism, and God will give you a promise that will not just be for you, but will be for your children and all who are far off, right? God is not here to punish you for what has taken place. God is here to bring you to him through what has happened, right? But he says you come to that, and you come to this promise through baptism. So we move forward in Acts a little bit uh, to the eighth chapter. There's this fascinating story uh, that takes place um, with this guy. It's a disciple named Philip. Um, 
So Philip, it's the story of this Philip and an Ethiopian, an Ethiopian unit. Uh, as, as, the, uh, as the Ethiopian is, uh, is traveling down the road, uh, Philip comes upon him, basically through the work of the, the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, their paths intersect. And what, uh, what happens is that Philip hears the Ethiopian reading from the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah is a powerful book in the Old Testament that has lots of prophecy about the coming Messiah. But the Ethiopian had no idea what he was reading. And he says this, and, and, and Philip comes upon him and, and, and says, you know, what are you reading? And, and the, uh, the Ethiopian uh, says, Why, how, how am I supposed to know unless somebody explains it to me? So uh, Philip, in his incredible wisdom and his insight and his ability to read the situation, says, hey, how about I help you? And he does. And he, and he, goes, he goes through to explain him everything that this was pointing to when it came to Jesus. And this extraordinary thing happens in verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And Philip's like, I'm not sure. <laughs> and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And it says after that that the, the Spirit took Philip away. I mean, that was, the, that was their, their brief intersection, just enough for the Ethiopian to come to understand what he needed to do to, uh, to take this new path in life with Jesus through baptism. Extraordinary. And it goes on and on and on. I wish we, I would love to take the next two hours to go through all of these stories of baptism and who was baptized and why. But there's, an ex there's, a, there's a thread that runs through all of them, and that's that nobody comes to faith in the New Testament without baptism being found in that story somewhere. Somewhere. And it's extraordinary, um, it's extraordinary theme that runs through all of those things. But what it comes down to is these three things. And I wanna, I wanna talk about what this covenant relationship in baptism uh, means when it comes to our love for God and how we demonstrate um, our love for God and how we experience our love for God uh, when it comes to this. And the first is that baptism, baptism is an act of unification. Right? In, the, in, the, in the experience of baptism, in the spiritual nature of baptism, you are participating in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And Paul explains it like this in Romans chapter 6. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly 
also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Baptism is our experience of this unification of what has happened with Jesus Christ. To experience the death and the burial and the resurrection ourselves. Ourselves. Let that, let that move in you right now. That was not just an experience for Jesus. God says, that's an experience that I want for you. And you can do it just like this. And it unifies you with the one who has given you life and resurrection but you have to experience death as well. And this is how we show it. Baptism is an act of unification. Baptism is an act of humility. And baptism is, is your way, the way that God offers to us to show our willingness to die to ourselves. And so the question is, are you ready to let yourself go for your relationship with Christ? And I think this is the challenge that's presented to us uh, all of the time. Is our relationship with God one of convenience or is it one of sacrifice? And there's a, I mean, it's to say it like that makes it sound really, sound, make the difference sound really huge. But I'm not sure that we experience that difference all the time. Is your relationship God, with God one that works on your terms, or is it one that works on his? And the difference means everything. And baptism is a symbolic gesture of exactly what that difference is. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. What is the cross? It's his death. Right? Take up what is going to bring your death to follow me to find your life. Right? And baptism says, I am willing to experience that death. And I am willing to show and demonstrate in a covenant way that I am willing to walk that path. Baptism is an act of humility. <clears throat> Baptism, and I think this is probably what we miss uh, more than anything when it comes to baptism, is that it's not so much an act that you do as it is an act that is done to you. 
And let me say that again. A- baptism is not so much an act that you do as it is an act that is done to you. It's a transformation. Baptism in, in dying to the old self and putting on the new is not something you are able to do. And we have to always remember that. You cannot put on the new self. God gives you the new self. God gives you the new clothes. God gives you the new identity. God gives you the new you. That is done for you. You don't do that. But baptism is your gateway to demonstrating your willingness to receive the new, the transformed, the redeemed from God. So, tonight, if you've not been baptized, this is not a night to get everybody who's not baptized baptized. If you want to, great. Um, but I want to, I want to, I want to leave you with some things uh, to think about and to consider and to pray about. And I want you to consider the proposal that God is making to you to join Him in covenant relationship. You know, we talk about marriage. Well, how does marriage get initiated? The proposal, the proposal, right? And what is the proposal? What is the proposal? It's simply the question, will you join me? Will you join me in this life together? And God is saying to you, will you join me in this life together? God is making the proposal to you. And it's not really fancy. I mean, it is kind of. <laughs> like, what's, what's your proposal story? Uh, you know, some people have, like, really awesome proposal stories. I like our proposal story. Um, some people have really lame proposal stories. And that's okay, too. <laughs> but, but the effect is the same, right? To simply ask, will you join me in this life together? Well, God has an amazing, God, God will not be beat in his proposal story to you because it involved the ultimate sacrifice on his part. And he's saying, will you join me in that? Um, I am here for you if you want to think about the idea of baptism further. Um, And I'm sure there are other people in this room that are here for you as well. Uh, But if that's something that you've not experienced or you've not really even thought about much before, um, or you've just had questions about, you're not sure about, Hey, my door is open. Uh, my phone is on, and I am totally and completely um, here for you uh, to work through those things. I would love to. Um, there are things that are commonly said um, that I hear a lot when it comes to uh, the idea of baptism. Um, and one is this, well, mm, I'm not, Maybe I, I, I'm interested in baptism, but I'm really nervous about doing something like that with all these people around. You do not have to do that with all these people around. Um, if you want to, great. 
uh, it was just Philip and the Ethiopian on that lonely road um, out in the desert. And that was totally great. Um, so if you want to do that um, in a private kind of way, that's totally great. Um, I was baptized as a baby. Do I need to do this again? Uh, now, I want to say right here and right now, nobody is here to question any baptism that you may have already been through. Uh, that is not what we're here to do at all. But if that's something that you want to think about uh, and you want to experience as a believer, um, then we will stand with you in that. Absolutely. Probably here's the most common uh, when it comes to um, thinking about baptism. I'm not sure I know enough to do this. And that's an interesting question that puts you in pretty good company because nobody who was baptized in Scripture did so because they knew enough. Nobody. Nobody. Because baptism is not a point of completion or it's not a point of being good enough or knowing enough uh, or being righteous enough or getting your life together enough to be baptized. Baptism is a beginning point. Baptism is a washing. And if you are being washed, what does that infer? You are dirty. And I guarantee you, you are never going to be clean enough to deserve baptism. But that's exactly what it's there for, is to offer you that washing that says, I am making you holy. Come and follow me. Right? It's a beginning point. It's a beginning point. Um, if you have been baptized, I want to issue a challenge to you as well. Do you remember your baptism today? Are you walking in the covenant relationship of your baptism today? Uh, are you... Are you seeking faithfulness to that relationship that God has called you into with him? Now, that's not, are you doing good enough? Are you doing well enough? Because you're probably not. None of us are. But are you seeking faithfulness? Just like, uh, you know, some of you in here are married. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, and including myself, I'm, I'm married, and that question needs to be posed to me all the time. Are you seeking faithfulness in that relationship? Are you taking that relationship seriously? Are you nurturing that relationship? Uh, because that relationship was not cemented on the day that we got married, and everything's fine since then. That's not how that works, and you know that, right? So if you've been through baptism, 
Are you seeking faithfulness in that relationship? And so uh, that's where we leave it tonight. Jesus says, love God. But it's a whole lot more than just dating. Don't date God, right? Don't just say that you love God. Don't be in this long-term relationship with God. Be in a covenant relationship with God that is sealed with a vow before him. And he offers that to us in baptism. And I invite you to that uh, tonight um, as one of our ultimate ways of saying, God, I love you. Let's pray about that. Father, you have done so much for us, and that's why we find so much reason to love you, so many reasons to seek after you and to, uh, uh, to be enamored by you in, in, in so many ways because of the ways that you demonstrate that to us. And we know, and, and we, we talk about it all the time, that, that, uh, that ultimate act of love that you've shown in your death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ that makes us who we are, Father, but also calls us to do that ourselves. And Father, we want to demonstrate that kind of love to you, a willingness to do that ourselves, a willingness to say, I take my life, I take my life and I give it to you and I die to it and I'm buried to that and I'm resurrected to something completely new, Father. And you have given us something simple yet profound and amazing in baptism to demonstrate that, to experience that, to go into that relationship with. And Father, I pray if there's those here tonight who you're moving in, uh, to think about that, to pray about that, to consider that, to ask more questions about that, to do that, Father, and to answer that proposal that you are making to us. And Father, we give all of this to you now in the name of Christ.